Well, good morning. Good morning. Okay, good afternoon. Good afternoon. All right, well, it's morning for me because my brain is um, 12.30 in the morning right now in Sri Lanka. So um, I did say 12.30, which is really weird because India and Sri Lanka are the only two countries that are a half hour. You guys didn't know that, did you? I didn't either. I thought my clock was all messed up. And I'm like, what's the deal with the 30-minute thing, you guys? And then we started to go to meetings, and they're on a different time. We call it Sri Lankan time. And I go, now I know why you have the extra 30 minutes. <laughs> it was true, actually. But I know there are some of you are watching, so show up on time. I'm kidding. It's a running joke in Sri Lanka about being a little late. I know none of you ever do that. Amen. Well, let's pray. And ask Jesus, we're starting a new series, uh, Living by Design, and we're going to break down um, how God designed us, and we're going to get into biblical issues, some cultural issues over the next few weeks. We're going to dive into a number of the things that are challenging uh, us in the culture we live in, and we need to look at God's Word. What does He say? How many guys know God's Word is the bottom line and what we need to live by? Right. Otherwise, my brain will explode if I try to chase everything else. So, Father, we love you. Holy Spirit, I'm asking this morning that you would touch every heart in this room. God, would you speak to an area of every single life in this room right now? Lord, would you move? Would you reveal? Would you speak? Lord, anything that hinders your love. Any belief systems I have that are backwards or not in line with you and your love and your word today, let us see whatever that might be and help us to cross the bridge to deal with it well in Jesus name. Amen. We'll have a couple of pictures. I just got back from Sri Lanka. This is actually a church in Singapore. Um, And so I got to meet with their staff. It was really, really fun. Next slide. It's my twin brother from Singapore. (laughs) Pastor is hilarious, so it's great. I know the associate pastor at this church. I've never met the pastor. He's a man of faith because uh, I showed up early in the morning and he introduced me at their staff meeting. He says, I've never met this man and I don't know him, but Adrian knows him. And so we're turning over our meeting. And I thought, that guy is a man of faith right there. (laughs) And we had a blast and ended up praying and prophesying uh, over them. It was so good. And then got to Sri Lanka. Uh, So some of you know, I've been ministering in Sri Lanka for years. So we can go to the next slide. Um, This is some young adults. We did a young adult camp and they were doing a picture And uh, I was actually the one running late, so the camera was set, and I was a little late getting in the picture. So they were all laughing at me, and I thought, that's not even funny. Um, Next slide. These are actually different leaders. So if you can pray, um, a bunch of guys here are different national leaders uh, in the Near East. Some are in countries that it's illegal to even talk about Jesus. So everyone in this picture is smiling, but if you knew some of the stories, some of these guys have gone to jail. In in a few of the countries represented there, if you even talk about Jesus, you are in deep, deep weeds. And so it's underground church, um, but just pray that God would continue to bless and pour out. We had an amazing time ministering. Uh, Next slide. This was 
Sri Lanka's 38th national convention. So most of you guys know Leslie Kegel if you've been at our church any length of time. Uh, so Pastor Leslie was retiring from the global council. He's been on our global uh, council for many years. He's still uh, going to be working in Sri Lanka for the next couple of years, but he lives in Australia. So his family and all the extended family are in Australia. But this was their 38th annual uh, convention. So go to the next slide. Here's what's crazy. That is a giant long tent. And there's about 1,500 people inside that tent. So here's what's wild to me. When you leave America and you go especially to like third world nations, you get humble in a hurry. You just meet people whose stories are overwhelming. Most of the pastors and family have to save months and months of money just to show up to their national convention. They can't live in ho- stay in hotels because it's too expensive, so they literally camp around that campground and it makes it work. And you just watch the joy and you're like, wow, like pay a heavy price to get here, live out right in a tent and you're just here celebrating and you guys are so happy and I would be whining about the hotel that's not as good as I wish. I know none of you are like that. I'm just saying for me, okay? So just be praying, because God is doing something unique in that nation. It's wonderful to see. Next slide. Um, That is just a bunch of the people. Some of you could see Sereka got this picture for me, but he snuck his head in the picture. I'm like, hey, buddy, I said give me some pictures. I didn't mean the top of your head. Um, But we had such an amazing time there. Go to the next slide, if you would. Those are some of my new friends I met in the uh, plains of Sri Lanka. So we went to this national park. It is just massive. And there was hundreds and hundreds of elephants. And you could go in a Jeep and hang out and they'll come walk right up to your car close. And you just like freak out and think, are they going to totally charge our little Jeep? Um, But it was a blast. And it's a beautiful country. If you like hot, humid weather, great place to live. I like visiting, not living. Um, and the last slide, this is who I ran into. So for those of you who don't know, this is Dr. Leslie Kegel. He's been the president of Sri Lanka Foursquare for almost 40 years. Um, we happened to be on the same flight. We didn't even know that. We were leaving Sri Lanka at 12 o'clock at night, and I walk in the airport, and Leslie and Bellin are sitting right there, and I'm like, what the heck? And so we flew to Singapore, then they went to Australia, and I came back to California. And so that man and his wife have done phenomenal things. Went to Sri Lanka uh, 40 years ago from his amazing hometown to Bible college in the Philippines to zero Foursquare churches in 1982, I think it was. And now there's close to 2,000 churches in Sri Lanka. Um, And signs, wonders, miracles. Yeah, we can clap. It's absolutely amazing. So... Um, the good news is you never know how things go on your trip until later. And the good news is I ran into Leslie and he invited me back. He goes, you did good. You can come back. And I thought, well, thank you, sir. So turn your Bibles to Genesis chapter one, uh, if you will. Um, we're, we're starting a new series, Living by Design. I want to talk about the original design. If you and I do not understand clearly the blueprint of God's design for our lives, 
we're going to get sidetracked. Hello? If we don't understand how God made things, why God made things, then we can get sideways in a hurry. Okay? So um, there's a great article I read by Hugh Welchel, and, and he talked about your purpose that's revealed in God's design. And here's his quote. Deep within each one of us is a hunger to live a life of significance and purpose. The key to satisfying our hunger for meaning is understanding one basic principle. We are stewards of everything we have. Everybody say, I'm a steward. So if you don't understand God's created order, that God made mankind to actually rule and reign. God wants you to take literally the authority he's given you and to live a vibrant, excited life in the kingdom and build his kingdom everywhere you go. Amen. That's what he wants you to do. And every one of us has something inside of us that hopes for that. All of us want to do something significant, right? And so um, he says, many Christians would agree with this concept of stewardship, but few are able to articulate how they are to steward. This is because they don't know God's original design and desire for creation. Without knowing that blueprint, it's easy to get lost. Um, so I want to break down a few things this morning. Um, when we talk about Genesis, the word Genesis is actually from the Greek. It refers to origin, inception, formation, or something like that. So it's derived from the Greek word meaning birth or creation. Now we know the word, everybody say Genesis. Genesis. We know the word Genesis because it's the first book of the Bible, right? And so as we break down a little bit of what's happening in the created order, I just want to help us see the basics. And I said over the next few weeks, you guys, we're going to break down the design of a lot of things. And we're going to dive into some pretty deep stuff over these next few weeks. Today, I want to give us just some clarity on what God did originally so that we can move through this series and hopefully get it right. Amen. How many of you guys know we all need to get it right? It matters. So Genesis 1, I'm going to skip around a little bit. We're going to go verses 1 and 2, then we're going to jump down to verses 26 through 31. Everybody say, God created all things. So this is crazy to me that people have been coming up with concepts and understanding of how we got here forever. I've got into discussions with people when I said, well, I really believe that God made all things, right? And you could read it. It's, it seems pretty simple. And they're like, wow, you have a lot of faith. And then they tell me their complex understanding of what they believe, how we got here. And I lovingly go, you have way more faith than I do. Like, can you run that back by me? How did we get? And their story is so complex and confusing. I'm like, you think I have faith? It's like, okay, God created everything and we were here. And he made the earth and he made everything we needed. And then he said this, I want to be with you. Everybody say be with you. So if there's one point that I pray everyone of us to grab a hold of this morning, in the creation story, there's so many things that can grab your attention. I pray you will get this more than any other thing. The number one reason God made everything is so that he could be with you. And I mean you personally. I don't mean generically us. God wants to talk with you every single day. And most Christians, that's a foreign concept. I go to church. I do stuff. I love God. But when it comes to tell me about how you hang out with God every single day, and they're like, I don't know. I try to read my Bible. Now, I, don't, I don't mean do stuff for God. I mean actually be with him. 
You guys, that's his biggest desire is that you would learn to be with him. So we're going to dive into it. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless, empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Then God said, let us make man in our image. Everybody say our image. In our likeness. Say in our likeness. So that you may rule over the fish of the sea, the birds in the sky, livestock, wild animals, and over the creatures. Now, why do I say that? Really important part of the creation story is creation was co-created. How many of you guys know there were co-creators? Who were they? God the Father and God the Son for sure. Wisdom seemed to be in there. When you read the book of Proverbs, wisdom seemed to be in the creative order. And I'm sure Holy Spirit was involved. But it's really important that you understand the context of Genesis when it says we and us. Everybody say Jesus Jesus. is is God. God. Okay, so this is a radically important part. Jesus always existed. Right. He always was with the father. He was not birthed as a lot of people say he was a good teacher. He was a good prophet. If you understand the creation story, you must understand who the creators were because the rest of the Bible won't make sense to you if you don't understand that the pre-incarnate Christ literally helped create the world that we live in. Amen? Amen. Why? Because every cult wants to say Jesus was good, Jesus was some great teacher, but they don't want to say Jesus was God. They don't want to say that he created everything. But Genesis tells us that he did, and the New Testament tells us the same. Amen? Amen. So we're going to jump down to uh, verse number 27. God created mankind, male and female. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them, and he said, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish, the birds, the living creatures, Then God said, I give you every seed bearing plant on the face of the earth and the tree that has fruit with a seed. They will be yours for food and all the beasts of the earth and all the birds of the sky and the creatures that move along the ground. Everything that has breath of life in it. I give you every green plant for food. And it was so God saw all things he made. And he said it was he said it was what? Okay, this is kind of cool to me. God creates everything, right? Including everything you and I would ever need on this earth. Before he put man on it, he made everything you and I would ever need to sustain us. Then he made us. And after the sixth day, he kicks back and he goes, wow, not good. Very good. If you don't feel very good about yourself, you need to understand the created order of God. Let me, this is so important. Most of us beat ourselves up in life. We're hard on ourselves. We're not feeling very good about ourselves. I'm telling you, when God made everything, including you, he didn't say you're good. He said you're very good. So if you mess your life up with anything other than believing that God loves you and that you're very good. I'm not talking about the mistakes you made. I'm talking about the creation that you are. How many of you guys know God made you perfect? We're in a fallen world because we're going to get into that. How many guys know we are in a fallen, broken world? The good news is Jesus is going to redeem that too. Amen. So Psalms, I love Psalms 139. This is just amazing Psalms to me. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and you knit me together in my mother's womb. 
Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous, how well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. How precious are your thoughts about me, O God. They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. And when I wake, you are still with me. I love verse 17. How precious are your thoughts about who? About who? Do, Do you get up every day believing that God has precious thoughts about you? Because that's his created order. Do you guys hear what I just said? In God's created order, he wants you every single day to know that he has great thoughts for you. And they're not thoughts for bad. They're thoughts for good. That he loves you and he desires to be with you. What I've learned over the years is most Christians, we don't feel that. We allow the negativity and belief systems that aren't good to get in the way of what God really says. God says this, I made you. And you're very good. Craig, you're not good. You're actually very good. Henry, I made you and you're very good. How many of you guys know me and Henry aren't that good? <laughs> We're not. But what does God say about us? Why am I saying that? You and I have got, get, got to get back to what God created. He created perfection. He wants you to walk with him every day and to know him personally. Amen. He wants that for us. God gave us free will. Genesis chapter two, verses 15 to 17. Then the Lord took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free. Everybody say you are free. free. It says you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat it, you will certainly die. Everybody say you're free. How many guys know that's free will? You get to choose. Come on, you guys. This is pretty cool. We wouldn't be here if God didn't give us free will. The good news is free will is really free. The bad news is free will gets us in trouble. Okay. Okay. Hey, remember, it's one o'clock in the morning in my brain. I need you to participate this morning. Okay. Somebody say amen. Help me out. Wake my brain up. So this is crazy. God's like, hey, I made all of this. Like everything. Right. Unbelievable. I made it for you and you can touch everything, all of it, except that. How come we always want to touch that? Come on. What's your that? Everybody's got a that. God's like, hey, I do all this, but not that. And it's our human nature. Right. It's just like, but I just want to touch that. just, Just like a little bit. Why do I say that? Because that's how we are. God knows that, right? God also created marriage, Genesis 2, 24, 25. And this is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife and they become one flesh. Adam and his wife were both naked and they felt what? They felt what? Would that be crazy? Come on, you guys. Could you ever imagine living a life where you feel no shame? None. None. Don't even know it. 
Come on. This is a little weird. They were naked. Come on. Doesn't that just freak you out just a little bit? Like, but they didn't know it. How many guys would love to have that like going on inside where you're just not always freaking out about stuff? Like, first of all, don't try this at home. Some of you are like, I already do. I go, I know, don't do that. <laughs> are we going to be naked when God recreates the whole world? I don't know. I really don't know. I don't really care. I'm just going to be so thankful to be with Jesus and not have guilt and shame anymore. It's like somebody should celebrate right now. Like, can you guys imagine what's going to happen when we're with Jesus forever? No more tears, no more pain, no more sorrow, no more suffering, no more guilt, no more shame. None of it. And I don't know. I just wonder if we still have to have a no. Will, we, will there still be free will? I don't want to sidetrack too much, but will there be free will still? Will there be one thing we're not supposed to touch? Just trying to mess with your brains right now. <laughs> All right. So this is God's created order. Like this is his design. How many guys know the design got disabled a little? Come on. How many guys know the design got tweaked? Okay. We're going to dive into it. Genesis chapter three. Okay. Starting in verse 1, now the serpent was more crafty of all the wild animals that God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say? Everybody say, did God really say? Did God really say you must not eat from the tree? Listen, this is how we get in trouble. This is why knowing the word of God is critically important. Because when the enemy comes or your flesh comes and starts asking that question, did God really say that? You better have the word inside of you so that you know what he said. Right. If you and I don't have that word, it's really hard to let that truth lead us. Amen. So we're going to jump down to verse number four. You will not certainly die. The serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some of it and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized, everybody say they realized, they were what? Okay, I don't know how long they were in the garden. Some, there's whole debates, was it thousands of years, tens of, I mean, I don't know how long, nobody really knows. All I know is something radically happened right here. When they actually touched what God told them not to do, all of a sudden there was a realization that they were naked. Then it says that they sewed fig leaves together to try to cover. What emotion or feeling do you guys think was happening in Adam and Eve when their eyes were opened and they realized something? Shame. Fear. Guilt. Okay. Something happened when they touched something they weren't supposed to. Something happened in them. Why do I say that? We can get into the same patterns. Here's what scared to me. That first time they were keenly aware. How many guys know the first time it, they freaked out, right? They did. But as we study the Bible, as time goes on, how many guys know we're keenly aware of something in the beginning and sometimes we start getting comfortable with it? I pray all of us will stay very keenly aware 
to the things that God wants us to touch and not touch. Amen. So they realized that they were naked. Verse eight. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord. Everybody say heard the sound of the Lord. This just blows me away. They heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they did what? They did what? They hid. They hid from the Lord God in the trees of the garden. But the Lord called to the man. Now, let me stop right here. Guilt and shame drives them to hide. This pattern is true in every single one of us at some level. I don't, I don't know any Christian or human that still doesn't struggle with the shame and guilt issues when we go through stuff in life, and they usually make us hide. Instead of running to God, we run from God. This is exactly what happened in the garden. But what did God do? What did God do when they hid? What did he do? He called them. Can, can I lovingly say this to everyone in the room? He calls you every day. Yes. I don't care what you did yet. Well, Pastor, if you knew what I did last night, you call, yes, he would. We know because why? It's exactly what he said, and he does the exact same thing. When you and I blow it, he doesn't go, well, you know what? When you get your act together, come groveling and crawl to me. You know what he does? He chases you and he walks with you. As a matter of fact, in the midst of your mistake and the guilt and shame, guess where Papa is? He's standing right behind you. You don't even know it. He's just standing there going, you want to go hide? I'll go with you. You don't even want me to be there because you feel a certain way. But if you would actually turn around and talk to me, if you would actually turn around and realize I'm not so mad at you, you think I'm all mad. I'm not mad. I actually want to help you to stop doing this pattern because your shame and your guilt and your hiding leads to another thing called blaming. And son, I want you to stop those patterns because my kids keep doing it. And I'm trying to get ready to come back to this earth, but we're not ready for me to come back because we're still living in that pattern. So Jesus does what? The father and the son say this. He says, so he answered, he said, I heard you in the garden. This is, this is Adam's response. I heard you, but he was what? Afraid. Say it again. Afraid. He was afraid. And he hid. And God says to him, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree I commanded you not to eat from? Church, just know this. Whenever the Holy Spirit's asking you a question, he's not doing it because he doesn't know the answer. How many guys know he's doing it because you need to hear the answer? That's how loving he is, right? He's trying to do something of freedom and deliverance. He wants to do that with us, but sometimes we don't see it. So so what does Adam do, right? Instead of having a great conversation with God, I, I, how many guys know this would have been an invitation? Think about this. Hey, I want to talk to you about this. But, but what, did, what did Adam do? Right? Instead of saying, okay, God, I, I do feel bad. Can, we, can you help me with this? Guess what? Immediately. I, Adam is a double blamer, right? Look at verse 12. The man said, the woman you put with me. He actually blames God and the woman. Like, I'm just like, dude, are you crazy? Like, this is the guy that can strike you with lightning. How many guys were taught that when you were young? If you're bad, God will strike you. People used to joke about it. It's not even funny to me anymore. It's like, step away from him. Do you guys know that's not our father's heart? 
He asked him a question to try to get dialed. Somebody needs to listen to me carefully. I'm talking to you right now about God's created order because most of us don't live in it. God asks a question because he wants to have a dialogue with you to help you get healed, to break the patterns, and instead, blame happens. Instead of me saying, okay, talk to me and help me, my, my fallen nature just wants to blame somebody. It's just how we are. It's like their fault and those things and this things. And the enemy is a master at getting us distracted from kingdom business and getting all into the world and all that's going on in the world. And it's like, yeah, and those and that and this and that. And God's going, man, I just want to talk to you. I want to help you. And I get so busy blaming and shaming and hiding that I don't even realize that I'm in a bad pattern of it. And Jesus wants to help us. Amen. He really, really does. So then Adam blames Eve. The woman you put with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree. Then the Lord said to the woman, what is this you have done? And what did she say? What did she say? What did she do? Right. So two quick points here. Same problem, same blaming. And I said this first service and I really believe this. And, and this is serious. This is the very first curse. How many guys know there's generational curses? Yes. How many guys know your words can be cursing? That's right. yeah. This is the very first word curse in the history of the world. Adam blames God and then he blamed her. Did you guys hear me? Do you guys know women in most countries? America's come a long ways and we still have a long ways to go. But you guys know in most countries, women are treated not well at all. Yeah. Like, trust me. It's bad. And I really believe this is the origin of it. I also want to say God gets treated really bad. This was a curse word to God and a curse word to a woman. What do we do now? When things happen, we blame God. Come on. We blame God and we blame others. Seriously. One of the, one of the teams I met with, the national leaders and other pastors, it was amazing to me this trip as people really opened up, really wanted to talk as I was talking honestly about getting healthy and dealing with the hard stuff. And one of the ladies said, hey, can I talk with you? I said, absolutely. And her husband, a good guy, said, hey, my wife wants to talk to you by herself. And I thought, oh, crap. <laughs> and she starts sharing. And they love Jesus, and she loves Jesus for real. Been serving him for decades. And she just says, I'm so mad at God. I can't even function. This has been going on for a while now. I, I'm frozen. I'm stuck. Guess what that means in translation? It means I'm hiding from him. I can't connect with him. I'm going through the motions because this is what you do as Christians. you got to show up and do your thing. Right. And she just starts pouring her heart out and my heart's breaking because she's telling me how God didn't answer a prayer a certain way that she expected to. And things didn't go well for friends and family and situations that were really hard. And she says, I'm so mad. And I said, I'm so sorry. I really am so sorry. But I also want to help take you to a place. Everybody say belief systems. Belief systems. 
How, how many of you guys know that Genesis created belief systems in Adam and Eve that are horrible and they've been passed down and they're still in us today? Come on. She believed a lie from the devil. You guys need to listen to this. It's so important of the creation story. She believed a lie from the devil. The first mistake she made was like God told us, but then the enemy comes. Why? Because he comes to you and he wants to lie to you and he wants to get you off track. And that's what happened to her. And then the shame, blame and hiding game goes on. This happens in Christians all over the world all the time. We just don't talk about it. If you give opportunity to talk about it, you will find out in a hurry. We're all hurting and broken. We're all kind of mad about something. And many times we're mad about God. And my heart broke. Years ago, I couldn't even have empathy and sympathy. I wouldn't even have sat with her and cried. I would have just tried to, well, let me give you the theological understanding. You're wrong. You're mad at the wrong person. The devil comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And God comes to give life and more abundant life. So I don't know what's wrong with you. You just got your theology wrong. If you get your theology right and get your thinking right, you wouldn't be mad at God at all because God didn't do that. How many of you guys know theologically that's true? Come on. This is critically important. Why is this so important? I said this first service and no joke, a woman came up to me and said, can I talk to you? I'm so mad at God. I said, I'm so proud of you. She goes, man, and she just shares, right? Like, wow. And I said, I'm so proud of you that you would even walk into church, number one. Number two, that you would walk up here and be willing to share. Why am I saying that to you guys? It's what God's wanting us to do. Come on, let's get just brutally honest about the created reality. God doesn't want us hiding and blaming and shaming. But that's what we do. And you and I do it. And I blame God for stuff. And I'm still mad at God about certain things. I don't even want to talk about them. But it's frustrating. And God's going, I don't want you to do that. I didn't want them to do it. And I don't want you to do it. And so what does God do? God sends his son to bring redemption to us. And so I want to talk about design restored for just a moment. Man, you guys are making me cry. What the heck? I never do that. Can I, can I really say this to all of us? God wants us to be the most compassionate, kind people on earth by a mile. Did you hear what I just said? I said God wants us to be the most compassionate, kind, loving people on earth by a mile. And when I talk to people, when I talk to kids who have grown up in the church, I hate to say this. With my own kids, that's not their experience. That's not what they say. Dad, you weren't the kindest. You weren't the most loving. You were always busy and you were always gone. And God was more important than us. And it's like the truth of that reality is so hard for me to even breathe in. I just... I don't want to even comprehend it. I just don't even like it. I don't want to think about it. I don't even want it to be true. But as I sit here and tell you guys you need to do these things, I need to do these things. And getting brutally honest, why? Because my pattern would be the same thing. I had bad belief systems and I justified it. Well, you know, when you grow up, kids, you'll understand. Yeah, you know what they did? 
They understood that what they told me was true. Here's the good news. My kids are so kind. They are. They are freaking unbelievably kind to me. Like, it's unbelievable. They really, really do love Jesus, and they're willing to talk about the hard stuff. Why do I think God is doing this? Because I believe this. I've been saying it for months here. Stuff's coming. How many of you guys have heard me say it? Stuff's coming. I think this Israel thing, I don't know if this is going to be one big one. It may be. All I know is more stuff is coming. And God's trying to get us ready. I don't want this to be hard, but we're not ready. We think we're ready. We think we're, oh, no, we're ready. We're ready to get raptured out of here. (laughs) Uh, How about this? Let's get healed. Let's get back to original design. Let's get back to what God wanted us to do. Thank you, Henry. See, you are sweet. You're very, very good, Henry. See, look at that. From one Marine to another. Listen. I'm going to ask the worship team to come back up. Why am I saying this? I sit with a lot of people. And usually they start sharing their pain pretty quickly when they have permission. And most of my ministry was not marked by that, right? I just straight up. Most of my ministry was not marked with people being brutally honest and talking about hard, hard stuff. I really believe this. That's exactly what Jesus wants us to be to a broken, hurting world. Jesus wants you and I to go love people so well that they'd be willing to share really hard things that we could have empathy and love for them and not judgment. So Jesus comes to this world. And you guys, we know all the scriptures, right? Like Jesus tells everybody, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus suffered so that you and I don't have to suffer. Like God really wants to reconcile us with him and us with each other. So when we talk created order, everybody say reconciliation. Reconciliation. This is God's heart. Like his heart isn't just that I'm okay with God now. His heart is I want you okay with me so that you can actually go be okay with everybody. I want you to understand that when I created all of human origin, all of it, in my mind, there's zero separation. And he tells us scripturally, no man, no woman, no Jew, no Gentile, no slave, no free, no black, no white. We're all one. Yeah, that should have got a giant amen. Amen. Why, Why do we not? I don't mean it to be funny. Why do we not, though? Because we're hurting and we're broken and those people and this thing and that thing and these beliefs and those beliefs. And and we live in these cycles and God's going, but son, do you not understand? My created order is love that I literally want to come and walk with you every single day. And I want to talk to you and I want you to go love people the way that I love you. Here's the hard thing is I didn't let Jesus love me that way for a long time and I'm still barely learning. Like he loves us. Let's all stand together. We're going to just worship for a minute. And then our prayer teams are going to come and we're going to pray for any and all of you that want prayer today. And I hope a lot of you will come. I hope a lot of you will be like the sweet lady that came up because it took an unbelievable amount of courage for her to walk up 
like, wow. It takes courage to be brutally honest, you guys. It really, really does. And God's trying to pull us out of our hiding. And all of us need to hear what he's saying because he doesn't want us to hide. He wants us to come to him. Amen. Let's worship him together.